This is the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. The second half hour of the Truth Hurts Program for Friday, August 4th, 2023 is brought to you by absolutely nobody because we still don't do commercials here on the program. Good morning, everyone. Steve Z here, the Truth Hurts Program host. I have some headlines and some things I want to talk to you about. Federal judge told Hunter Biden, quote, you were sober, so why didn't you pay your taxes, unquote. On July 26th, Hunter Biden thought he was going to simply walk in and plead guilty to tax fraud. The deal would then free him up from his previous crimes, including federal gun crimes, but the hearing proved otherwise. Coming into the court hearing seemed for Hunter that the deal was already set. He'd simply plead guilty to some misdemeanors, get off the hook for all of his felonies, and walk out scot-free. But that all changed when Judge Mary Ellen Norieka decided to question the full scope of that agreement, that backdoor deal, that let's get Biden off the hook so Joe doesn't look so bad. Following the question, it appeared that neither side had truly agreed on the extent of the terms. Not the prosecution, not Hunter's crew, none of the parties were even on the same page. The court was confused and unprepared for the disagreement, so the whole plea deal was called off. In an attempt to reel everything in, the judge began diving into the charges Hunter had planned to plead guilty to. Even this was contentious when the judge had Hunter explain his guilty pleading, line by line. As he explained it, it became more and more apparent that the judge was not a happy camper. She began grilling him over his drug misuse and his irresponsibility. She even commented on his failure to pay taxes while sober. This judge was smart and was not fooled by all the political theatrics. After thoroughly berating Hunter Biden on all accounts, the judge changed directions back to the deal itself. Upon further inspection, it became apparent and obvious that some of the stipulations regarding Hunter getting off the hook for gun diversion within those dealings was a potential mix-up with the Constitution. All in all, the hearing turned into a bit of a fiasco, and the judge gave the two sides 30 days to get their crap together and come up with a decent legal plea. It seems that Hunter Biden may not be shirking his responsibility so easily this time. The White House says he's a private citizen and they won't respond. In other words, they don't want to get caught with their feet in their mouths yet again. Let's switch gears to Camel Toe Harris. She made an ass of herself again last week, falsely claiming that Florida is teaching middle school kids that all the slaves benefited from slavery. It wasn't in the curriculum, Camel Toe Harris. But it didn't stop the airhead from cackling and then lying about it, just like the lie of the don't say gay bill that never once mentioned the word gay. Florida Governor DeSantis extended an offer for the vice resident to come on back down to Florida to discuss the matter in a debate. Cameltoe Harris knows when she's outgunned from a mental standpoint, so she has declined the offer. Chicken shit Cameltoe Harris. She turned down Ron DeSantis's offer to debate his state's new guidelines the truth of how teachers will be allowed to instruct students about the African-American experience in this nation. The latest bout over culture issues pits Harris against DeSantis, a mental midget in Harris against a mental powerhouse in DeSantis. Harris, who by the way is not African-American, does happen to pretend to be African-American when it's convenient for her to do so, and that's cultural appropriation by a woman who is not African-American. Don't even get me started on the actual African-American culture. You don't want to hear the ugly truth about that. The actual truth on African-American culture begins way back on the continent of Africa, 
when blacks ran around naked in black tribe on black tribe violence, eating and having sex with monkeys and all the things we used to see on the Sunday morning National Geographic movies and specials. You remember the ones with the uncivilized tribes running around half naked or naked, acting like animals, foraging in the forest for foods and battling the monkeys? Yeah, they don't show the real culture of the Negro race in Africa anymore because the truth apparently hurts them too much. But I digress. Camel Toe Harris was in Florida speaking at the African Methodist Episcopal Women's Missionary Convention in Orlando when she went off on Governor DeSantis, grouping him with what she called the other extremist so-called leaders, aiming to rewrite the ugly parts of our history, like the ugly truth that blacks were sold as slaves by blacks to blacks in black-owned slave markets, about how those black tribes people were uneducated, uncivilized, savages, attacking each other in different tribal settings, raping young children and women, acting like animals, sold to blacks who owned plantations and other businesses here in the United States, and some whites as well. The truth, that heritage, that history is something Harris wants left out of the actual factual history of black folks in the land that is now known as the USA. The vice president attacked Florida for their plans to allegedly teach students that those enslaved in the country's early history benefited from slavery. She said, quote, They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, in an attempt to divide and distract our nation with unnecessary debates. And Harris will not debate. Harris explained to an applauding crowd, Well, I'm here in Florida and I will tell you there's no roundtable, no lecture, no invitation we will accept to debate. An undeniable fact. There were no redeeming qualities of slavery, she said. That, of course, is a lie, an untruth, an inconvenient untruth. If not for the things that slaves learned, the skills they acquired, the education they received, if the slaves were not dragged here to this continent by their own race from Africa, those individuals and their offspring would still be in Africa, doing what they'd been doing for centuries killing each other in black-on-black -black tribal skirmishes, eating monkeys, never learning, never growing, never progressing as a society. They would still be the uncivilized, savage animals that are still in Africa to this day. The comment that Toe Harris made was referencing a letter that the vice president received from Ron DeSantis on the first day of August, asking Harris if she would like to come visit Florida so that the two leaders could discuss Florida's new education standards in the state aimed at changing the view of slavery in the country. DeSantis wrote in a letter to Vice President Harris that was shared on Twitter by the press secretary for DeSantis. It said, quote, In Florida, we are unafraid to have an open and honest dialogue about the issues. And you clearly have no trouble ducking down to Florida on short notice. So given your grave concern, which I must assume is sincere, about what you think our standards say, I am officially inviting you back down to Florida to discuss our African-American history standards. Camelto Harris is refusing because she knows she will be outwitted, outsmarted, outspoken. She will be shown for the vapid, airheaded, uninformed, uneducated idiot she truly is. And the fact that only one sentence in an entire curriculum points out to the reality, the actuality, the fact, and the truth that the slaves did benefit from being in this country. Now, if this is the way she truly feels, 
Maybe she can propose to Congress some legislation to send every single descendant of slavery back to Africa with nothing more than the clothing on their backs and let them try and survive in the tribe-on-tribe -tribe skirmishes that continue to kill blacks in Africa. And yet, there's nothing about that in Toe Harris's objection now, is there? Have you ever heard of a rap artist named Cardi B? I've heard of her. I've never listened to any of her songs, many of which are allegedly racist in nature against white people and society in general. She allegedly had a concert last week in which she asked people to spray her with water. And then she got pissed when people actually did it. KLAS News Nation affiliate says the woman who filed a police report against Cardi B after the performer threw a microphone into a crowd in Las Vegas told the officer that the hurled object injured her shoulder. Video circulated online over the weekend after a TikTok user posted footage of the incident at Dre's Beach Club on the Las Vegas Strip. The clip shows the hip-hop performer on stage asking the audience to spray her with water when someone in the audience hurled liquid and splashed the rapper. Cardi B can be seen retaliating by throwing her microphone angrily into the audience, striking one woman in the shoulder. The victim, who was hit by this flying microphone, was not the same person that threw the drink at Cardi B. This woman is identified as a 26-year-old female. She said the microphone hit her in the shoulder and she told police that she was unable to complete the police report on Saturday due to the very large crowd in attendance. She, Cardi B, hurled a metal object at a person in the crowd, missed the person she was allegedly aiming for, and struck an innocent concert goer. The microphone in question was owned by a company called The Wave, an audio company that works for Las Vegas nightclubs. The owner, Scott, says he has that actual microphone because it was his property. He recovered it. And now the microphone is up for auction with bids reaching over $90,000 for a wireless microphone. The auction for the Sure Axient microphone ends next Tuesday. The seller lists on eBay, quote, this is the mic that has been seen all over the country flying into the crowd after Cardi was splashed with some liquid. He tested the microphone and confirms that it still works. Now he's not selling the interface, the receiver that that microphone needs to have to process the sound that the microphone transmits. The microphone alone, that little eight, nine inch long stick has bids over $90,000. Anything to make a fast buck without having to work for it, right? In case you're wondering, a Shure Accent AD2 series digital wireless microphone sells between $990 and $2,900 depending upon the internal transmitter frequency and does not come with the receiver that you would need to make the microphone work. How ridiculous is that? FOIA? What FOIA? We're the Joe Biden administration. We release what we want, when we want, and we withhold what we want, when we want to, and that's that. So much for another Biden lie about how transparent his administration would be. Lie, 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 lie. The country will not receive any further details about the cocaine that was found in the White House last month, period. Even though a culprit was never identified in this drug scandal, 
The Jesse Waters Fox News team was rejected when they filed a Freedom of Information Law request with the FBI and with the Secret Service to obtain any and all documents relating to the case. So much for following federal law, but this is again Biden's Marxist society. The Jesse Waters primetime host was told that the paperwork was, quote, not a matter of widespread and exceptional media interest in which there exist possible questions about the government's integrity which affect public confidence, unquote. Not one at all is questioning the government's integrity? I'm questioning the government's integrity. I'm sure all of my listeners are questioning the government's integrity, especially the Biden administration. We heard three different stories about where the coke was allegedly found, and then the White House lied about Hunter Biden not being on the scene. The coke was in a surveillance camera blind spot. How convenient. Then there was not a single trace of DNA or fingerprints recovered. The Secret Service blew up the bag of coke. They literally lit it on fire. That's destroying evidence, Mr. Waters correctly said. The substance was found in a receptacle used to temporarily store electronic and personal devices prior to entering the West Wing on July 2nd, when the Biden family was allegedly and conveniently out of town. And after launching an investigation, the FBI and the Secret Service said they did not develop latent fingerprints and they had insufficient DNA present for investigative comparisons. That's what the Secret Service said. Nothing to see here, folks, move along. There was no surveillance footage found that provided investigative leads or any other means for investigators to identify who may have deposited the found substance in this area, the statement from the Secret Service said. It continued, without physical evidence, the investigation will not be able to single out a person of interest from the hundreds of individuals who passed through the vestibule where the cocaine was discovered. The statement concludes, the U.S. Secret Service takes its mission to protect U.S. leaders, facilities, and events seriously, and we are constantly adapting to meet the needs of the current and future security environment. My friends, you know where the coke came from. I know where the coke came from. Magic. It's magic. The most heavily guarded and surveilled and protected building on planet Earth. Security cameras on every corner of every room, inside and outside the building, in places you would never think a camera should even be allowed. And then some obvious mastermind genius gets to walk into that house and make the Secret Service look like a bunch of freshman, amateur, wannabe cops. Or, more likely, gropey Joe Biden and his handler said we need to yet cover up another foobar by a cocaine addict that is related to us. The world may never know the actual truth. Because the Secret Service and the FBI said nothing will be released to we, the people. President Biden and I came into office with a plan to strengthen America's economy. We knew that for far too long, our economy has not worked for working people. Entire communities have been left out and left behind. Well, there's a lie. It isn't because of what you did that makes people better. It's because what you did made people worse off. This woman is an idiot. It's a term we're very proud of, I must tell you. Because Bidenomics is working. It's working. <laughs> it's working on destroying the American economy. But Biden, Harris, and Bidenomics is not working. Camelto Harris, however, I'll repeat it, thinks it is. It's a term we're very proud of, I must tell you. Because Bidenomics is working. It's working. Oh, that horrible cackle. That nasally, whiny voice from this nut job. 
It's ridiculous on its face. And she's pretending to be president now while Mr. Biden is on vacation. While Joe Biden lounges at the beach, Kamala Harris gets to pretend to be president. Looking at her meeting here with the foreign leader, I think that's the Mongolian leader. Love the Mongolian. Tomorrow she heads to Wisconsin and Friday she'll try to spin the monthly jobs report. Seems like she's getting pretty comfortable. The VP getting her big wish after her team has been complaining of her, quote, being left out of the spotlight. This includes a softball interview with ABC News, but even that was too much for Kamala to handle. Watch. There are reports that say that you have the lowest approval rating of any vice president. I'm curious how much role, if any, that you feel race and gender play in that. Well, there are polls that also say I have great approval ratings. I think the point that has to be made is that there are attempts to create distractions away from the accomplishments of our administration. What accomplishments, Camel Toe Harris? Record high inflation that continues despite your lies about Bidenomics working? The price of gasoline at the pumps jumped 28 cents in less than 30 days. You guys cannot tell the truth to save your lives. Families are paying more than $11,000 per year more for the same goods and services they paid for just two short years ago with the higher cost of living caused by Bidenomics. And since it's right out of the Democrat playbook, you know, say the same lie often enough and some people will eventually believe it. Joe Biden has those zingers, not your father's Republican Party. He's got patriotism. This is the United States of America, damn it. And he's got geometry-based explanations on how to grow the economy from the middle out and the bottom up. And just like when you hear a song on the radio over and over and over again, your brain picks up on it and starts to actually believe it. Move over, Beyonce. Move over, Taylor Swift. Move over, Jason Aldean. Gropey Joe Biden has his own greatest hits, and he keeps them on repeat mode. If you've heard one of the Democrat president's recent speeches, you basically heard them all. He just keeps repeating the same lies over and over and over. And it comes straight out of the Communications 101 class you may have taken in high school or college. Develop a compelling message, whether it's true or not, and then just keep repeating it over and over and over again. That's exactly what White House Communications Director Ben LeBolt noted that marketing has a rule of seven in which customers generally need to see or hear a message at least seven times before they're convinced to make a purchase. Joe Biden keeps repeating his lies over and over and over and over and over again, hoping that the dumber half of America will keep listening to the lies. From the website Hot Cars, the 10 most glaring problems with electric vehicles. For the past 10 years or so, EVs have been slowly gaining a little bit of popularity in different parts of the globe. But in the past few years, what used to be an automotive niche market has become a significant segment of the industry. According to figures with the Department of Transportation, in 2022, over 10 million EVs rolled out of dealerships, accounting for one out of every seven cars sold on planet Earth. Europe and China are leading the shift. EV sales count for 20 to 25% of sales in those countries. The U.S., however, saw a trend towards adopting EVs, but nowhere near to the same degree, including electric cars, SUVs, trucks, and even commercial vehicles. It's less than 10% of every U.S. vehicle sale in 2022. In the same year, 2022, a Consumer Reports survey revealed that 71% of American respondents expressed an interest in talking about leasing or buying an electric vehicle. The interest in EVs is there for two thirds of US drivers, 
but based on the actual sales figures, the factors are far behind the purchases. When it comes to purchasing any vehicle, the sticker price is the first consideration. The average electric vehicle costs $18,000 more than a comparable gasoline counterpart. That's number one. Number two, the limited range, and now we're finding out the lies about the reported ranges of electric vehicles, make them unfeasible for most Americans. Range anxiety is one of the biggest sources of hesitation for car buyers when it comes to electric vehicles, especially if the driver uses the vehicle on longer distance runs or crosses states or goes to less urbanized areas every once in a while. As of early this year, the supposed improvements in EV battery technology has increased the average driving range to almost 200 miles on a single charge. But putting this range into perspective, a $26,000 gasoline engine Camry can travel over 600 miles on a full tank of gas. The $28,000 Nissan Leaf, a much smaller, more compact little rattle trap, can only go about 149 miles on a single charge. Now, if you want to jump up from your $28,000 Nissan Leaf to a car that is comparable in size, roominess, cargo carrying ability, comfort, etc., you'll have to shell out more than $90,000 for a Tesla Model S, and it can go just around 400 miles on a single charge. The average American driver travels about 35 miles per day. So for them, a 210-mile range can maybe last almost the full work week without needing to charge if it's not cold outside, if they don't use their air conditioner, their radio, their lights, their wipers, or any of the other amenities in the car. If all the stars are aligned and the temperature is a perfectly balmy 75 degrees outside with a tailwind, the EV battery will drain faster and you'll have to plug in much more often on those short trips than you would on a longer trip. Which leads us to the next big problem, charging time. Where I can pull into my local convenience store, put a pump, in the, a pump nozzle in the tank of my vehicle and fill up in a total time of about 10 minutes, it's going to take multiple hours to charge your electric vehicle. Not to mention the fact that you may not be able to find a charger anywhere convenient to you. So if you have to drive all the way across town to find a charger, using up more of the range that you built up, and then have to reuse some of that range just to get back to where you were, it's not very efficient now, is it? Not to mention, it costs more money depending on where you live to charge your electric car. The average fuel fill-up time in America is actually two minutes, but it could take about five minutes to top up an almost empty gasoline tank. Even then, three or four cars can fill up and be on their way before one electric vehicle finishes charging using the fastest direct current DC charger available today. If this waiting time is acceptable for you, then you go right ahead. Or pay extra money to have one of those DC fast chargers hooked up at your house. Thousands of additional dollars out of your wallet. About 80% of electric vehicle chargers happen at the house. And those level one chargers plugged into a 120 volt AC current can charge a drained battery in about 40 to 70 hours. Let me repeat this. Level one chargers plugged into a 120 volt AC outlet can charge a drained battery electric vehicle in 40 to 70 hours. That's two to three full days, depending on battery capacity. 
Now, if you shell out the extra bucks for the 240 volt AC, it could take eight to 10 hours to charge your vehicle. There are some level three DC chargers that can top up an empty battery from 10% to about 80% in about a half an hour, but they cost a fortune and they make your electric bill go sky high. As of January 23, the United States of America has only about 160,000 public electric vehicle chargers. About 85% of those are level two and some are level three. Although the number seems like a lot, America still lacks in EV charging infrastructure by a massive deficit compared to the number of electric vehicles out there. According to S&P Global, America must have at least 700,000 charging units by the year 2025 and will need 1.2 million charging units by 2027 to support the expected growth in electric vehicle sales. And it is, of course, a chicken versus egg problem. Will car buyers continue to shift to electric vehicles in the hopes that the public and private sector will finally build more charging stations? Or will investors' risk aversion lead to a lack of charging station, further deterring car buyers from shifting to electric vehicles? I mentioned earlier the cold weather problems with electric vehicles. EV batteries do not perform very well in cold temperatures or very hot temperatures. North American winters, for example, can significantly adversely affect driving range and charging times. EV drivers, according to Green Car Reports in 2022, noticed a massive 30% reduction in driving range during the winter. So imagine if your car has a 100 mile range, it's cold outside, now you can only go 70 miles before you have to spend hours and hours recharging, which by the way, in very cold temperatures, takes much longer to recharge. Some owners report being unable to charge their electric vehicle batteries at all when the ambient temperature outside is below 32 degrees. This means you have to put a dangerous, potentially dangerous charger in your garage where your house might catch on fire. According to the Alaska Center for Energy and Power, ASEP, the most concerning electric vehicle issues during extremely cold weather are as follows. Significant range reduction, longer charging times, less power availability, and the need to keep the battery plugged in during freezing weather. All of this, of course, costs not only money, but time. Then there's the safety aspect, which a lot of people don't want us to talk about. EVs distinguishing components and characteristics are the source of their unique safety issues. First of all, EV batteries are easily damaged by saltwater impact, force, or heat. They can catch fire due to thermal runaway chemical reactions, and the type of fire runs very hot and is almost impossible to extinguish, even for experienced firefighters. Even though EV engineers have been trying to minimize the possibility of electrocution, worn out or exposed parts of this electric system can cause you to die from being electrocuted. The electric motors present significant safety hazards. Their quiet operations make incoming EVs harder to notice for pedestrians. I guess you could put a broom, broom, broom speaker on your car when you're driving. How stupid does that sound? Finally, electric vehicles are very much heavier than similar sized internal combustion engine vehicles due to the mass and weight of those battery packs. It makes an EV more difficult to control, to steer, and to stop, and is more dangerous to people and other vehicles on the road. That's just part of what's wrong with EVs. Let's keep going. 
much fewer moving powertrain parts and fewer consumable items like engine oil, fuel, air filter, etc. They claim EVs have a 30% lower maintenance and repair cost compared to internal combustion engines. But the price tags and the more expensive repair costs for electric vehicles have forced insurance companies to charge massively higher insurance premiums on electric vehicles than they do for similar gas-powered cars. Now, what they didn't mention here, and I will mention, is the extra weight and all of the other things that go with an electric vehicle cause the tires to wear prematurely, which leads to tire waste pollution, as well as the need for you to buy a very expensive set of heavier-duty tires to handle the added weight. Repairing an electric vehicle is even more costly because your friendly neighborhood mechanic cannot do it. The relatively new drivetrain technologies and the inherent hazards of working with high-voltage batteries require electric vehicles to go back to expensive dealerships for repair. Let's talk about the EV batteries degrading. Due to some improvements in rechargeable battery storage systems technology and productions, the EVs today can last supposedly 10 years, 20 if you do everything 100% right. The typical electric vehicle battery loses 5 to 10% of its usable lifespan in the first five years. And then they degrade exponentially, becoming less and less efficient each and every month thereafter. Many environmental and driver-related factors could accelerate your EV battery's degradation significantly, including frequent deep discharges, meaning you're letting it go down below 10%, regular fast DC charging hurts the batteries, the heavy hauling and towing activities that come with all of that extra weight, of course extreme hot temperatures, extreme cold temperatures, and even spirited driving, meaning you press the gas a little faster and harder than if you're just putting around town. U.S. federal law requires manufacturers to give an 8-year, 100,000-mile warranty for electric vehicle batteries for now, but that may soon go away. Also, we haven't thought about the battery recycling and disposal, not only the costs, but the massive amount of pollution. The lack of battery recycling leads to scarcity of batteries' raw materials like lithium, cobalt, graphite. And at the end of their useful life, those batteries end up in a landfill where they leak and leach out harmful pollutants into the land, the air, and the water. There's also the carbon footprint misconception. Everybody thinks that an EV is cleaner to produce and to operate than a gasoline-powered vehicle. But the International Council on Clean Transportation shows that even if electric vehicles draw power from the current electricity grid mix of fossil fuel, nuclear, solar, hydro, etc., an EV produces very little difference in lifelong emissions. Many studies have shown that a cleaner power grid may improve the environmental benefits 20, 30, 40 years into the future, but it simply is not the case today. All right, folks, we ran a little long on this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Go out there and make it a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I apologize if you were offended, but I retract nothing because I speak the truth. Background music courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audio Nautics. This program is pre-recorded. Copyright 2023, the Truth Hurts Program Network, all rights reserved.